He needs to learn how to wrap that thing up. Quit yucking my yum. Welcome in everybody to the Philly Experience Podcast. My name is Max Gretzula, joined by Tanner Gilmartin. Entire hood today, back up on top of the roof jet. Yeah, yeah, terrible roof start to the jet? show. Roof Sounds deck. Cool. Roof deck. We're on the roof deck today. Feels great out here, too. You know this is my kind of weather. Oh, man, this is perfect. We talked about it coming up coming up the steps today when I told you that the, the sun is not out today, which I prefer. A nice breeze up here as well, and it's not hot like how we had a couple weeks ago where I complained basically the whole time. Oh, man, I'm ready to find my pads and, you know, hit somebody. Yeah. Like, seriously, this is perfect football weather for Questionable me. Questionable comment from Tire Hood. What do you right mean, Quest? What do you mean, hey, wow. sun's not say? out, but tires, guns are indeed out. You're damn right so. they are. Let me say this because you, you mentioned a good thing. Maybe you need to go get those pads and go play defensive <laughs> in for the Eagles because they can't get any damn pass rush on uh, on the Chiefs last week, and they couldn't, and they and it's going to be a struggle. But I know you did. You did tell me you want to open up today, obviously, with the defense and talk about that. You you put out a great thing on the Philly Experience podcast. If you guys haven't checked that out, at the Philly Experience podcast on Instagram, T with a I'm not going to call it a rant, but definitely a teachable moment for the fan base. Uh, about a minute and thirty seconds, and you know, you know, you didn't go crazy, but you definitely uh, voiced your frustration. So I know, you know, I know, you wanted to kick it off with the defense today and let the people know how you feel. So I know we usually t- start off with offense, and you know, the offense did okay. We'll get to the offense in a minute, but I got to get into this sorry excuse for an eleven personnel that we call a defense. Like the defense was just absolutely horrible. Jonathan Gannon and his scheme, or whatever you call it has been has been figured out all right and for like the next 20 20 20 probably 15 20 minutes i'm going to eviscerate this damn defense like from start to bottom it i just feel like the strategy was okay they're going to score on you just do your best like I, I literally feel like the coaches just went out there and said that to them throughout the course of the week because that's exactly how they played all right you couldn't get a pass rush on Patrick Mahomes. You allowed Tyreek Hill to do whatever the hell you wanted. The only one who was really kept in check was Travis Kelsey, which, okay, I'll give you credit for. But then you still allow Tyreek Hill to get all these easy passes, like one touchdown. Why the hell is Eric Wilson guarding Tyreek Hill? Why is, well, they're all horrible linebackers, but why is, why is a linebacker covering the fastest wide receiver in the NFL? Like, how the hell do you allow that? that what scheme? What what? defensive coordinator who has any amount of football IQ intelligence allows that to happen. That pissed me off from jump. We're not even going to get into the fact that Darius Slate looked like he done gave up on some plays. We're going to get into him a little later with his little Twitter post and Instagram post because I'm sick of him too. But we're going to start this shit in order. The defensive line played absolutely horrible. I think they only, I believe they only sacked Patrick Mahomes once or twice. They hardly got a pass rush on him. Then on top of that, for four straight weeks, and I'm including the Atlanta Falcons again because I believe the, if the Atlanta Falcons would have done this, they would have beat the Philadelphia Eagles. This defensive line is getting beat off the line of scrimmage. And something that I took pride in, especially under Jim Swartz, was the fact that this defensive line was an attacking defensive line. This defensive line knew how to stop the run. They knew how to put pressure on the quarterback. They knew how to get to the quarterback. And now all of a sudden, they don't know how to get to the quarterback. I'm, I'm thoroughly concerned about that because for four straight weeks, teams have been pushing 
this defensive line off of the line of scrimmage on run plays and being able to do whatever the hell they want to do. I'm frustrated by that. I'm irritated by that. Derek Barnett, how in the hell do you have 24 damn penalties on your career, but you only have 19 and a half sacks? How do you have more penalties than you have sacks? I'm sorry. What's he here for? I agree. I, I totally agree. I'm sorry, but as a as a coach, what the what are you going to do to discipline this freaking team? We're going to get into the penalties overall as well. But dude, this is like the second or third week in a row where Derek Barnett has been a complete bonehead and committed a personal foul. Not to mention the fact that he's just not putting up any freaking stats. He's not getting to the quarterback. He's giving up on plays. I'm seeing this on the All-22 tape. Yeah. He's completely giving up on plays. If his first move don't work, he's giving up. He's just throwing his hands up. That's it. Yeah. I'm pissed off by that. On both sides of the ball, penalties killed. I mean, three touchdowns were taken back because of penalties. Like, it's just, oh, we're going to get into that too. But Derek Barnett, I'm, I'm sorry, but as, co- as a coaching staff, you need to discipline nah, don't that. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. He's costing this team yardage, putting them in bad position every time. Every time that penalty flag is thrown, you look at Derek Barnett when the Eagles are on defense because nine times out of ten, it's his fault. And it's like, what is what? as a coaching staff, what are you going to do about that? I'm sorry. You need to take away his playing time, okay? You need to take away his starting position. Find him. I remember listening to Donovan McNabb one time, and he said that, Andy Reid used to penalize those guys when they got penalties. They used to find them. Do something. Discipline this freaking team. This team lacks discipline. Josh Sweater on the offsides, which is unorthodox for him. Something needs to be done. Also, your $100 million defensive lineman, Fletcher Cox. Another week, not a damn stat in the stat line. No tackles. No tackles for losses. No sacks. No, not even a solo, not even a, a, a assisted tackle. Nothing. I'm getting nothing from my defensive lineman. Ryan Kerrigan is a complete non-factor. I just. So you, you threw a lot out at the crowd there. I'm sure they're digesting it now as we speak. But, <laughs> but here's the it thing. Up, probably. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I can't, and I can't disagree with that. But let, let's start out with the first point you made and take a step back. All right. So I definitely want to touch on the Eric Wilson play. That caught my eye and probably one of the first things that I was like, wow, that can't happen. But let's take a step back. All right, Chiefs-Eagles, they come into the link, uh, losing their previous two games. So you know you're playing against a really you know angry opponent. Patrick Mahomes obviously is a killer. But when you take a step back and look at the lines, you know, five touchdown passes from Mahomes, literally 11 catches for Tyreek Hill, 186 yards, and he had three touchdowns, none more. It's an outrage. Uh, uh, there wasn't any – Tyreek Hill will not have an easier touchdown than he did against Eric Wilson with that, like, five-yard or ten-yard uh, play there in the red zone. But I think Andy Reid, still another guy you have to mention, 100 career wins with two different franchises. Which is, which is a hell that of an accomplishment. What a time to have. Yeah, with your 100th win with the Chiefs, that's 240, I believe, altogether yep. for Andy Reid. LaShawn McCoy was yeah. in the building. Brent Selleck. I mean, it, it was kind of a reunion. It was bittersweet because the Eagles did lose. I, Tanner, you were there, and Shady did actually yeah. go viral. I don't know if you guys saw this. He was right there in the corner of the end zone when Tyreek Hill dove and actually used his left hand when the ball was in his right hand to actually knock down that pylon to make it look like the to the referees that he scored. And Shady, you know, he was right there in the corner, and he uh, actually went viral by actually looking in at uh, Tyreek Hill and saying, huh, did Tyreek Hill actually score that touchdown? And then we all come to find out he didn't, but he would have three complete ones on the day, so it didn't really matter. 
Yeah, we're not, I, yeah go ahead. I, I don't count that last one. I mean, that was in the end of the game. People were already leaving out. It was the the defense gave up. My, it, but, that, but but that's my thing. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. But that's too. that's my issue. It's the same thing we brought up last show. Like, why the hell is this defense just giving up on plays? Like, the game is not over. How about some damn pride? Where is your freaking pride? Right. Everybody's blaming Anthony Harris for that. I'm sorry. What safety do you know is going to cover Tyreek Hill? Well, see, I don't want to ask you this because obviously you hear a lot of things around WIP working there, and you know having definitely an in with uh, Pete and people with people that Tanner and I don't, and the crowd doesn't that that audience that's listening. But I've heard people call in in the last you know 48 hours who have really said, oh, but you know it was only a five point game later later on in that ball game. You know they only lost by 12. They scored 30 against the Chiefs. Like let's be honest. The, they Chiefs never felt stinks. in it. They never felt in the game. No, that was they weren't. Point. You know what I mean? They never felt like, oh, the Eagles got a chance to win. And I think that's the biggest disappointing well, factor because the defense is, is poor for the Chiefs. It's being, horrible. Being at the stadium, it really did feel like a close game. The crowd was in it up until the beginning of the fourth quarter when things started to get out of hand. Um, that's when people started leaving, about 10 minutes left in the fourth. Um, just droves of people leaving. And... Yeah, to be honest with you, Max, sitting there and watching the game, I was kind of surprised on how, and and T's going to hate me for saying that, they, oh, I mean, they were kind of controlling Patrick Mahomes earlier in the, in the game, and he wasn't much of a factor as he usually is. But once again, he throws overhanded, underhanded, shovel pass. No matter, he found the end zone in that game. But can we talk about how electric the Eagles were the first drive? Yeah, the absolutely. first drive they came out. I believe that was a three three passes, fifty three yards, and then um, of course there's an overthrow, which we're kind of used to the underthrowing by Jalen Hurts. But there was an Terrible. overthrow to Terrible. Zach Ertz, wide it. open, wide I'm open not, in the end zone. I'm not going to deny that that was a horrible throw, I, but it's a it's a it's a it's a consistent vibe though. With I feel like with Hurts, each week it's like there's one or two passes he just doesn't make it it's like come on you got But here's the thing max here's the thing that you got to understand with Jalen, and i'm not making excuses for him I, I said it before listen that was an overthrow complete overthrow and in the nfl you got to be able to make that he's pass. open though however I mean, he's open he's this that was only his eighth start he's essentially a rookie oh, he's i don't want to hear learning. the eighth start oh it's gonna be his 10th start then it's gonna be his 12th start then it's gonna be he's a sixth. rookie max what come do you on. want him to do he's a young guy still trying to figure out how to do it in the nfl you've got to give listen, him that time if there's a right. time to 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 really rip Jalen Hurts. It's not this game. I'm not ripping Jalen Hurts today. I'm just saying. There's most there's, career passing yards. Yes, there's throws, but there's throws that he just has to make. I agree with you, Max, but he's going to learn that if so long as he gets that opportunity to learn that. Now, it's different if it's Carson Wentz. I'm ripping him apart because he knows better. But this is Jalen Hurts. This is a young dude. I got to give uh, – yeah, I'm going to criticize him for overthrowing that. He knows better, and I know he knows better just based off of his post-game um, conference answers. Absolutely. And uh, what else I want to add about this Eagles offense is, yes, they're young, but for me, they can only execute a play one time. And if they're considering that overthrow, they, they should be able to get back to the line and find another play. But there's another play where he, I believe it was an overthrow to Greg Ward, or underthrow. Something was wrong with the pass, and then they just settle for a field goal again. They can't, and it was like, what, first or second down, and then the rest of their drive is just dead Jeez, after that. Hell it's of, like they give up, too. A hell of a day for, for Jake Elliott, by the way, my fantasy team. Shut the hell up. Uh, anyway. It's great. 
Two things on that play. First off, I, I agree with you. The mentality and the, um, the scheme going into the Chiefs was completely bad. I'm sorry, but you can't settle for field goals against the Chiefs. You have a chance to score, you freaking score. All right, I don't care if it's fourth down or not. You take that chance. You're not going to beat the Chiefs on field goals. That's number one. Number two, I, I've been hearing this argument for the past 48 hours. I, I work the overnights the day after the games. So I heard all the calls. I know what people are saying about that play. That play goes both ways. Yes, Jalen Hurts probably could have put a little bit more accuracy on that pass, but this is still the NFL. Greg Ward should have made that catch. That ball was in his hands. This is the – I'm sorry. Like, And then on top of that, here's where I go back to criticizing the coach, Nick Sirianni. Why the hell is Greg Ward in that position? Why isn't Devontae Smith, who had, had 122 yards in this game, why isn't he in that position? Like why are you putting Greg Ward in that position? Where's the first-round pick, Jalen Rager? If you're trying to get him on the field and try to get him recognized, that's one of those plays where he can get recognized. I think people are saying that he should be taken off of it in favor of Quez Watkins more, though. Craig that, Ward. too. Where the hell is Quez Watkins? And actually, uh, when I was mentioning that overthrow or underthrow to Greg Ward, it was actually perfect, and he just dropped it. Yeah. I believe it was almost directly in his hands he dropped yeah. it. And that, that came after that that Goddard touchdown was called what back is that with as Greg well. Ward? What is that with Greg Ward, too? The first two weeks, the guy's not even on the field barely, except for that one trick play they tried with the 49ers in the red zone. And all of a sudden, we're seeing some more Greg Ward. Because Quez Watkins is really the guy that they're trying to feature. But once again, I agree with you. Greg Ward shouldn't have been out there. You should have had your first three right receivers out there, Devontae Smith, uh, Devon, uh, Jalen Rager, or Quez Watkins. I, Greg Ward is your fourth right receiver. Don't be rotating your right receivers. You put the best players out there. You need as much confidence you need to build up as much confidence for your quarterback as possible. And putting a wide receiver like Greg Ward out there is not going to help. Well, let's touch on the offensive line because coming into the game, four out of the five starters are out, right? Lane Johnson, late and active for personal reasons. We still don't know the story there. But what do you guys think of the offensive line? What do you make of it? Did they, did they stand their ground at least? Did they just give their best effort? I mean, you can't really. Surprisingly, yeah, I was right. impressed. Yeah, I was surprised as well. Especially considering that Lane Johnson was a last-minute scratch. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. Jack Driscoll was just activated. I feel like they did a pretty decent job in terms of protecting Jalen Hurts, giving him a clean pocket, and even opening up some, well, when they did run, opening up some running lanes, yeah, which was, I want to touch on that, the running game. It was later. a lighter opponent this week, though, with defensively. the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah and defensively, you got to yeah. put that into account as well because, you know, it's hard to – replace pro bowlers at those positions yeah. but i feel like they did a decent job there's one play i want to highlight though and this might be on hurts more with ball security but you know i forget was the second quarter it was the 30 seconds left yeah, yeah the, the fourth quarter. down play that could have been i mean luckily that ball the time did not get out. recovered by it. right it, the, it did get recovered by the chiefs but there right. was zero seconds left if there was one second right there, there it would have been goal. a field goal yeah. so that that was big coaching why the hell did you not call a timeout why the hell did you not spike the ball? Exactly. Well, exactly. That was on Nick Sirianni. No, they were in, yes. They were in field goal range. Yes. Jalen Hurts fumbled it. Would have been it. a long one, but yes, they were. Yes. Jalen Hurts fumbled it. But call a freaking timeout. Ask your quarterback to spike the ball. There's Put plenty of options that you – Right. Time was ticking. Made no sense. What the hell were you doing? I don't know if there was some terrible um, time management crossed over from Andy Reid. Um, to Nick Sirianni. It's a hell of a time to do it. But before, I want to even go to before that, why are the Eagles just giving in at the end of the second quarter and just like the Niners game, the Chiefs just march up the field, they score. And now this time the Eagles were able to have, like what, they had 52, around 52 seconds. And for, for me, I when there's 52 seconds left in the half, 
I don't want to see like just running and vic and and um just kneel it, waste the clock. Why why not like go ahead and try to score? And I liked seeing them. Um, they they were close to scoring as we mentioned that they were field goal range. Nick Sirianni doesn't call timeout. They could have ran another play, got closer for the Jake Elliott field goal, but instead the ball's taken away from Jalen Hurts and it just kept rolling down the field. And I thought someone was going to pick it up and just keep running into the end zone. At one point, mm -hmm. it was it was a slippery bean over there, but um, luckily there was zero seconds left on the clock for right. the Chiefs to kick that field goal. And a lot of people might even say, oh, there's 52 seconds left. Like, how many quarterbacks in the NFL besides Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady can go down there and, and get in a field goal range or score a touchdown? But you never know. You throw a deep they pass, maybe a pass interference. That's and you my get, thing. You know what I mean? You never know what's going to happen. So, uh, disappointing. But, T, I know you want, I wanted to ask you, because I know you, you touched on it quickly, the run game. You know, Miles Sanders, seven rushes, 13 yards. I mean, it's Kenny Gainwell. We talked about it preseason. I told you, Kenny Gainwell, you said it as well. He's going to be the guy. And Miles Sanders, I'll tell you what, you want to talk about a guy that's not – I'm not saying he's playing his way out of the NFL, but playing his way out of a lot of money because he's not having a great season. And it's a, it's a, it's a year where he needed to because he's going to be a free agent. And that's the crazy part. You know what? And I, I can't even put it all on Miles Sanders it, because Miles Sanders is still, in my opinion, a dynamic running back. But the thing is, with Nick Sirianni's offense, he does want versatility for his running backs. Um, I forget which game it was. It might have been in San Francisco where he had Miles Sanders, and there was an empty back set. So Miles Sanders was out at a right receiver position. And I believe Miles Sanders ran, ran the wrong route. And – Kenny Gainwell was drafted for his versatility. Mm -hmm. Not only is he a running back, but as he's shown throughout these four uh, last four games, he can all. He's also very good in the passing game, and I think that's the reason why Kenny Gainwell is going to continue to get more calls. He's going to continue to get more plays ran to ran for him. Here's my issue, though, and here's where I'm pissed off. Here's where really where I'm really pissed off at Nick Sirianni. When red zone offense is really irritating me because he's gone with these cute plays. And I'm sorry, that's not the position where you run a run cute. That's the position where it's time for mono e mono football, big boy football. Matter of fact, here, you know what? Mike, Max, hand me a microphone real quick. Yeah, go ahead, right I'm, I'm a, I'm a, Nick, Nick, look at me. Look here. When you're within five yards, you have a quarterback that's six foot one, 220 plus pounds. You have two dynamic running backs. Okay, run the freaking ball. Sheesh. I love the versatility there, Mike. See, this is why I use this one because I can versatility. I can walk up. I can stand. I can go in a, in a pacing pattern here up here if I Let's wanted to. Let's be honest. You're not getting out of that chair. No. No, <laughs> no. No, no. He, about it. no his ass is stuck in that chair. Get like a hamstring pull or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, Speaking about hamstring pull, I just want to. Logan Thomas cost me fantasy football this week. Could have been my first win. He got zero points. Guess how many points I lost by? Zero. Point four. Damn. <laughs> Dude, All he needed was I said catch. zero points. You didn't think that was funny? Damn. Hey, hey, hey. Another thing to mention, though. Another thing to mention, because it's big this week for the Birds. How about that running back, Christian McCaffrey, with the hamstring injury? Will he play? Will he not play? Who knows? Still going to lose. Yeah, I, I don't think it really Well, I mean, I'm only saying that because we have our predictions as a loss yeah. all across the board. Do we have our week. predictions at all losses across the board for the Panthers game? Yeah. 100%, by the way, Max and I, T had, uh, I mean, this record's still the same, but he had um, a, mix a little mix match. Yeah. But, um... Max and I, hundred percent. We'll right see now if we can keep it rolling. I'm excited for it. Say, so, and now listen. I remember, remember this. People are going to be out there saying, "Oh, you have them losing like every game." I actually have them going ten and seven because they're going to come on strong late against teams like uh, the Shipball Lions and uh, you know the Jets. 
other teams like that. They got to play, play kneecaps the Giants twice, yeah. though. They still got some poor teams on the schedule. The Cowboys obviously look like a like a, the complete team. The defense is definitely better. Hey, Trayvon Diggs all of a sudden looks like he's a real deal out yeah, there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know Trayvon Diggs has definitely taken a whole step forward. But wow. it, it, it it really goes into um, one of my next things is is that. We talk about this week in and week out, but the dra- drafting. I'm sorry, but that's the result of oh, the freaking dude, the drafting. Drastic. The draft's not for a while, but I do agree with you. Like, every year it seems like the Eagles cannot hit on their draft picks. And it doesn't matter what round it is. It doesn't matter. Now, listen, I want to say this, too, because there was a time there where it was like, okay, a second-round pick was always hit for the Birds, right? You had Ertz, you had Shady McCoy, uh, Deshaun Jackson, I believe he was a second-rounder as well. So there was a time period where you were hitting on at least your, your second round. Miles Sanders, people want to argue, yeah, I know he's not that great this season, but, again, he was a high, highly recruited talent out of college. And now, all of a sudden, your offensive line depth, one we talked about needed to stay healthy, that is basically gone. I hear you. Another note to add real quick, Jim Schwartz, for all the fire that he took in this city, he never, in his tenure as Eagles D.C. defensive coordinator, he never once allowed 40-plus points in gave, back-to-back games. Yeah. Back-to-back games. He gave up never. once. One time never, he did. Never yeah. back-to-back. And this team, through Jonathan Gannon's first four games as the defensive coordinator, two in a row, 40-plus points, T. What's crazy is, and I'm sorry, I have, I've criticized that man for so long, and he did so much with so little that he had. Matter of fact, give me that microphone again. All right. Give right. me that microphone again. Jim Swartz, I'm sorry. Sidebar. I am sorry. Forgive me. I'm stupid. No. See, no, hold on, hold on no, here, because no, no, I, I know, to, and I, I think, I think we're in the same boat here, because Jim Swartz had moments where we wanted to basically throw him off at the top of this building. But go ahead, Tanner. No, it, it'd be the same exact situation. We just need someone better than both of them. We need some players, is what we need, Tanner. Yeah. Some yeah, players. That's a fair point. I mean. And- I think that this draft, depending on the situation, we're talking about the draft. Well, you guys in the draft, yeah. man. We're in week four. Why are we talking about the draft? Because basically, that's the main <laughs> issue, and that's the that's the main issue why the Philadelphia Eagles are in the position that they are. It's the reason why they're in cap hell and they couldn't sign anybody. It's the reason why there's a lack of talent at these uh, at these primary positions. It's because of drafting. Not to mention the fact that here's another reason why Jonathan Gannon's off defense ain't really working. You have no freaking linebackers. All the linebackers said. Said, yeah, and I can't so I, that. I figured something out with Jonathan Scannon's um, scheme. So what he's trying to do and establish is Let unlike up the most runs possible. And, and, <laughs> I'll you get know, to that in a minute. That's the that's one of the overall points. But his scheme is basically almost like a three four scheme, but he's running it like a four three. So basically, he wants his defensive linemen to take up blockers and allow the linebackers to make plays. Here's the issue. You don't have no freaking linebackers. Well, and, and again, now let me say this, because a lot, Fletcher Cox has taken a lot of heat in the last couple of weeks, but basically if you lay it out how you just did, can he or is that heat deserved on Fletcher Cox? Because you just mentioned that Fletcher Cox is there. You just said the defensive line is here to just take up blockers, and the, and the linebackers are the ones who are supposed to make the plays. So what do you, what do you say uh, in defense of Fletcher Cox, or do you think it's well-deserved? It is. His criticism is well deserved because this is not like you if know, he's getting double teamed, I get it. Back in his heyday, he would break through to double teams, but now Javon Hargrave maybe is getting other teams have too. other players on that D line need to step up. It's maybe higher expectations. Javon Hargrave is getting double teamed as well. There's players that get double teamed. Aaron Donald gets double teamed every here, damn here, week. Here's another argument, though. Here's another argument. You just said that he likes to run a scheme. It's four three, but they really play it like a three four. Correct. So if there's only three D linemen really trying to get to the quarterback, there's five offensive linemen. Oh, no, 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 the no. Math it, doesn't add up. No, no, no. It's still a four three scheme. They still have four linemen out there. It's just that. 
The problem is they're relying on their linebackers to make the plays, and that's where we run into issues because, one, these we talked about it last week. Yeah. These linebackers are undersized. Two, these linebackers are going to get eaten up in the run game because they're undersized. And, number three, they don't have the strength or the know-how to shut right. off a of blocks in the run game, which is the reason why you are seeing these huge-ass holes in the run game when teams run against the Philadelphia Eagles. This did not happen under Jim Schwartz. That was the one thing you could rely on. Pass defense was shitty. But the one thing you could rely on was the run game was going to be shut down. Well, T, you remember how how much you liked the prevent defense for Jim Schwartz? Yeah, that's yeah, the only thing that? I didn't like. But it seems as though with this scheme, with Jonathan Gannon's scheme. That was the only thing you didn't like? <laughs> that was the only thing I didn't like. <laughs> oh. But it, but it seems T, like. you're killing me, man. It is. That was the only thing Let's I really didn't like. Let's bring up the receipts, Max. Oh, shut right. up. Let me, let me say this real quick because I, I get it. I, the, 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 listen, week four. And I think we're getting a little over. We're talking about the draft. We're talking about things that are just a little bit unrealistic. And I understand it. But I want to bring up this point to you guys. Mm. I want to bring up this point. Because we talked about in the offseason Howie Roseman. And how many many times, how many reporters, NFL Network, WIP, no matter what it is, how many reporters have said that Howie Roseman doesn't value linebackers? How many reporters said that? Everybody. Everybody says it, right? But I don't understand this because you go in and you hire uh, Nick Sirianni and you're telling me he's going to bring in Jonathan Gannon and Jonathan Gannon's expecting these guys in the linebacker position who, mind you, Howie Roseman does not value to make plays. So there's got to be some disconnect there because if you're telling me Jonathan Gannon values linebackers and he wants linebackers to go out there and make plays, but you're telling me Howie Roseman doesn't value them, he's not going to draft them at a high level in the draft, that's a disconnect. There is a disconnect. And also the simple fact that I don't know if there's a scheme out there that you can get away with not having any linebackers. I've, I have not come so, across a defensive scheme. Let me let me bring this up to you guys because this is what I heard, uh, a conversation behind me at the game, is that someone would have rather drafted Micah Parsons with the Eagles. Over Devontae Smith. Than Devontae this is Smith. Bullshit. That's a good point. Now let me say, let me say this because the, my, the Cowboys scare me. Because one, their defense has been better than I thought. But other than that, to go deeper into it, Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, who I've had high praises of in the past, but you you mentioned it, Tanner, Michael Parsons. If Dexter Lawrence is healthy on that defensive line, Parsons could be a part of that linebacking core and, and play more of an outside linebacker instead of an edge rusher. And then you have a dynamic group with Van Der Esch and, and the other two guys I just mentioned. But now, even with Dexter Lawrence out of the lineup with that foot injury, you have Michael Parsons, who's just been absolutely elite in pass rushing, and then also he's athletic enough to drop back into coverage as well. So you, the Cowboys may have hit on this pick, and it's unfortunate because yeah. I want to add one more thing. Mm-hmm. Your co- your colleague, John Ritchie, who, who, who said he knew Michael Parsons back from Western PA back in the heyday, said he doesn't love football. But from the first four weeks that I'm watching, it looks like he loves football a hell of a lot. So I got some question marks there. Yeah, I was about to say, if if, if Michael Parsons doesn't love football, I hate to see him play when he actually loves the damn game because he's actually absolutely been dominant for the Dallas Cowboys as of lately. But here's the thing. The Dallas Cowboys value linebackers as, they, as clearly evident. Now, Tanner, to what that fan said, look, yeah, we could have had Michael Parsons, but here's the issue. We messed up on Jalen Rager. We wouldn't have had to draft Devontae Smith if we didn't mess up on Jalen Rager. Right. If we didn't mess up on J.J. Arthur Whiteside. Ugh. We've messed up on first-round draft picks. Andre Dillard we messed up on. What do you guys think about the Devontae Smith pick? Through four weeks, if we're going to highlight one player in Devontae Smith, where, did, where what's your mindset with I him? Like it. Do you still like the, like the pick, like the play? Yeah, I, I love the pick, and it's unfortunate we can't really focus on his play because there's so many other holes on this right. team. But if, if this is a put-together team, Devontae Smith, I mean, 
he would be a superstar in the city right now. But, I mean, people are still following him, of course, and praising over 100 yards receiving the last game and all that. But there's just so much more to look at right now and focus on that, you know, DeMonte Smith, although he's doing good, it's just we're looking at this defense. And Tanner hit the nail on the head. He really hit on all my points, basically. I, there's, there's nothing that I don't, that I don't disagree with you, Tanner. It's a shame that we have to discuss this because of past draft um, screw-ups. Devontae Smith should be getting a whole lot more praise than he is, but we're questioning it because we don't have any freaking linebackers. We've missed out on draft picks. Not to mention the fact that the players that you know Howie Roseman and his team traded for and signed, they're not performing up to their usual standards, up to the standards that we had for them. Like, for example... One all-pro corner who doesn't like to be called Darius, big play Slay. He has not been making many big plays since he's been traded there, and I'm going to put that out there. I tried to get his back. I can't do it no more, especially after this past Sunday. Do y'all know, after this past Sunday, this fool goes out there and basically says that in a tweet, not these aren't his exact words, but he's basically saying, hey, look, it was the rest of the defense. I did my job. What type of a player are you to say that? Football is a team game. When one person takes a hit, the entire freaking team takes a hit. See, let me let That's me say That's a selfish this. mentality it's, to have. I've and never, it's the wrong I've mentality. Never been sold on Darius it's the wrong mentality to have on this young team. I think and I get it. You, there's a word you can't use in a locker room, especially when you guys got trying to buy into each other. But here's where I think I might be a little outside the box compared to you two guys. The secondary, which we haven't really talked about, has surprisingly been pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say they're out of this world top five secondary in the league, but when you talk about Steven Nelson and Darius Slay, I feel like those guys have held up their end of the bargain and, and they've played their role. I haven't seen, you know, obviously you guys talked about Ty- Tyreek Hill and trying to stop that huge play, uh, but when you play three weeks in a row, you play the, the Niners and then you play Dallas and you play the Chiefs, I mean, you're going to get points scored against you, and I get it. They put up 42, so when you stand back and a casual fan might say, that put scored 42 points, the secondary sucks. I'm not going to sit here and say that because I think overall it has it's a trickle-down effect from when you go back and mention there's no pass rush in the defensive line that ends. Fletcher Cox hasn't been the same guy. And the linebackers have just been a, a complete well, a, just disgusting to, we'll, to watch. We'll test that theory um, against the Bucks. Because those are a lot of weapons that the secondary is really gonna have to prove themselves. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, eight. Um, oh, I don't want to. I don't even want to talk about that. I mean, that's gonna be. That, they they could put up forty points again. Yeah, that's not. That's not a game I look forward to looking at. I, shoot, I barely look forward to looking. Looking forward to the Carolina Panthers to be well, honest. Well, that's that's where we're headed DJ next because we're going to put a bow on the Chiefs and we're going to look ahead to the Panthers. And you look at Sam Darnold, who just his career is really resurrected there with Joe Brady and Carolina. He's putting together a really solid season so far. I know they just lost to the Cowboys, but they put up a good amount of points. Uh, 34-28, I believe, was the final score there. And Sam Darnold coming back home for the first time in a couple weeks. I believe Carolina had a couple of road games. DJ Moore's been the, the number one target for Sam Darnold. Robbie Anderson finally silent. He's been silent. Well, relatively well. Here's the thing. DJ Moore screwed me over two weeks ago, so that's why I'm going to mention it right now. DJ Moore, I hope you have a poor game against the Eagles. But two weeks ago, I tell you what, (laughs) he killed me in fantasy football. So uh, that's kind of where I'm going with. And I only said that, Tanner, because here's the thing. Robbie Anderson, our Temple guy, 
He right. the first three games was absolutely silent. I mean, the ball yeah. that Thursday night game against the Texans, he had two targets and only one catch for eight yards, I believe. Yeah, Man, that's ludicrous. He comes back in this Dallas game, he has eleven targets most and he has five them, catches yeah. most on the team. So that's something that maybe with CMC out, is that something where you know you look at Matt Rule, maybe he wants to get so you're Robbie more involved. Maybe, pick possibly. Robbie Anderson up off the waiver wire. Uh no. at least for this week, because look who they're playing. They're playing the Eagles who I was about to say let's be honest. Oh, I'll give you a better forty points back to back. I'll give you a better fantasy uh prediction um who's the running back currently if cmc is out chuba hubbard yeah pick that guy up pick that guy up. how many points are you gonna score uh, i don't know but it's about yards Over he's 10. he's gonna they're gonna be able to run against this uh philadelphia eagles defense because every team that they've gone up against they've been able to run against the philadelphia yeah. eagles here's the unorthodox part here's the unorthodox part. and daryl williams both here's, they both had a great game here's the unorthodox part last week uh well this past week against the kansas city chiefs andy Reid is not known for running the freaking ball they ran over 200 yards. This is Andy Reid we're talking here. Yeah, yeah pick up those running backs. <laughs> well, pick up those running backs. And, and surprisingly, I'm, well, I shouldn't say surprising, wrong word to use. Uh, the, the Carolina Panthers um, really have raised my eyebrows a little bit with their with their defense overall. I mean, it's been, for the most part, I know, I know they had a downer in Dallas. But for the most part, it's been pretty solid. I know their opponents haven't been amazing. They had that one game against Jameis Winston. They had the one game Thursday night against the Houston Texans and a backup quarterback. But you, it's it's not an easy matchup for these birds. And they're again, they're going to go on the road in the Carolina. What what do you guys think? What are the predictions here? What what do we think is going to happen? I'm, I'm, I don't even mean from for the most part like a score standpoint. I just mean what. What has to change? Like, what are, what are your predictions on what's going to happen? This scheme is there anything is anything going to be different from this coaching staff going forward? I feel like offensively they're trying different things to see what works, and that I can appreciate. So I think offense, if offense continues to have games like they did against Atlanta Falcons, games like they did against the Kansas City Chiefs, I feel like this offense can really you know more take creativity, this team. more creativity, against more Panthers? creativity. You know, getting getting the actual playmaking right receivers involved and running the damn ball when you're in the goal line. Like, things like that I need to see. But I feel like this offense is trending in the right direction. Defensively, on the other hand, they've got to be more aggressive. You cannot be passive. You just cannot be passive in the NFL. You can't do it. You can't have your corners consistently playing five, seven yards off the line of scrimmage and allowing these guys, allowing these wide receivers to just play up underneath these, these soft zones. You just cannot continue to do it. Play some man coverage. Shoot, the one time they blitzed and played man coverage it was the Eric Wilson interception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, now, and I agree. Now, listen, the, the defense for Carolina, like, well, like we mentioned, the defensive line might be better than what some people think. Now, listen, am I going to sit here and tell the audience and you guys right there that I'm an expert on the Carolina Panthers defensive line? No, I'm not going to sit here and say that. But generally speaking, from what I've seen so far with the Eagles playing Patrick Mahomes last week and then da- uh, Dak Prescott the week prior to that, what, when we come into this game and we play against Sam Darnold, this might be like one of those statement games for Darnold in the fact that he's got some consistency going. Is he going to be able to keep the ball rolling against the Eagles' defense or can the Eagles take a step forward and say to themselves, all right, listen, Sam Darnold, listen, you've had a great season so far. But it's time to really put our foot down and, and make some progress on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, if, if we go out there and we go 40 points to the Carolina Panthers and go 40-plus points for the third week in a row, I, I'm smashing the panic yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Especially I, with CMC out, yeah, right? Yeah. I think around – I'm going to give the Panthers 24 points. I think the Eagles are going to step it up on defense. So you're telling me 24-20, your final I'm score prediction? I'm telling you 24-17. Three things need to happen. Okay, one – 
the offense needs to continue uh, performing like they like they did against Kansas City, which I don't know if that's going to happen against this Carolina defense. Carolina, get the end this zone Carolina team. defense is a what? whole lot more potent than the Kansas City Chiefs. The field goals. Defense. The field goals. Come on. Let's so you punch can't, it in the end zone. You can't do it with field goals. Two, this defense needs to step up and be aggressive. You've had four weeks to do it, and I, I don't believe I'm going to be able to, to see that because you haven't done it for four straight weeks. Three, and here's the most important part, and here's the most concerning part. Penalties. You yeah. still lead the league in penalties. Yeah. 44. You lead the league in penalties by a wide to brush margin. That under the rug, T. No, you're not brushing that under the rug with me. 44 damn penalties. You lead the league. That's pitiful. That needs to change expeditiously. Okay? No, you, about, that's a that's the sign of an undisciplined football how about, team. How about a score prediction before we transition here? Ah, oh, man, um, I'm going to say that the Carolina Panthers score 27 points and the Eagles score maybe 23 points. Tanda, we all said that the Carolina Panthers are going to win this game. Is that it's correct? Ridiculous. Yes, we all said that the Carolina Panthers are going to win. So, uh, I, man, you said that Carolina Panthers are going to score 24 points. Do I believe that the Carolina Panthers will score 24 points? I do. I think they can get there. I'm going to say the Carolina Panthers are going to put up 27 points, and I think the Eagles are going to put up 20 points. 27-20, the Carolina Panthers are going to win. Panthers have the third-best defense in the league statistically. I'll tell you, I I, I undersold them. I undersold them. Look at your eyes lighting up. You're like, all right. Well, I might have to change my score prediction. Total yards, 276 allowed. The Eagles, 367 and a half allowed. It's funny because didn't Dak Prescott throw four or five touchdown passes last week? It's weird yep. that that's a stat because and, yeah, and um, you also have to realize that that Cowboys offense is very I potent think, right now. I they think are, Miles they Sanders are is going to have a good game. I'm I'm stamping it. Right Miles Sanders doesn't have a choice because right now his his snaps and his snaps and you know his um his ball carries are getting taken over by a rookie. He doesn't have a choice. See, he better step up. What, he better what step player, up now. What player on the Eagles is going to have a good game? Javon Hargrave, that's the only one I can bank on. Javon Hargrave going to have a good one? All that's right. the only one I can bank many, on. Are they going to get some takeaways? I mean, we haven't really seen a ton. I know Eric Wilson had that interception, but are we going to get some turnovers yeah, here? Some fumbles? Interception. Yeah, interception. I, can't, I can't even rely on that either. It I took you four weeks be, to get a damn I, interception. I think there's going to be an interception as well. It, it took you four weeks to get a damn interception. It, but I think it is. It's Now, is it too. possible? Yes, because maybe Sam Donna might revert back you to know, his your Jets days. You know what I want to see, and I feel like I haven't seen this in a while, a Darius Slay interception. Like it maybe yeah. the ball bounces around a couple times and he and he comes up with it. But has there ever like in recently in last season too we're looking at has there been a clear Darius Slay interception where he just snagged that ball right. out of I the? I think game? last year there was an interception for Darius Slay. Um, I believe it was a clear interception if I if I remember correctly. But what 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 he need an interception for for him to for him for everybody to pipe him up on Instagram and well, for him to share everybody's well, individual nice. stories? Here's my thing with, with other than getting bitched at by DK last year in that game. Uh, Devontae my, Adams. Well, well, Devontae Adams as well, but the DK and then, the, and then there was the whole Hopkins situation, blah, blah. But yeah. my thing with Slay is he was such an elite corner and would make highlight real plays with the Lions, and I felt like we got him. He didn't just fall off a cliff, but he just it's been kind of quiet. No, you know yeah, what I mean? You're it's just right. Been, I mean, remember th- just the amount of times he would get injured game after yeah. game after game, and we're finally able to see him in full games. It's a good sign, but I want him to show us that he's still that guy that he was in Detroit. Well, live up to your name, big play slate. I want to leave. I want to see you I live up to your name. Some big plays. Yeah, we exactly. all hope that he's going to be able to make some big plays, and the Eagles make some big plays this upcoming Sunday, one o'clock. It's the Eagles and the Panthers uh, in Carolina, uh, Bank of America Stadium. How about that? See, I know the stadium name. 
mm. a stadium geography and stadium names. I don't know what it is with me, but I got them like in the back of my head for whatever reason. I'm uh, a little grumpy, so you want a cookie? We'll see. No, 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 no. no. All right, all right. But but I want to transition here because uh, T, play some sad sad music. About, uh, <laughs> some sad music about the Phillies. Uh, oh, that the put violin. a smile on my face. I wish I I wish I did have that clip, but uh, I told y'all. I told y'all the Philadelphia Phillies were not making the damn playoffs. They got swept by the Atlanta Braves. It's, he's acting like it was a bold take and it was like a surprising take. Because it, I just felt like between callers on WIP, between you guys, between guys I would talk to, everybody felt like the Phillies could sneak in. No. They're the same damn 500 team they've been no, for the past couple seasons. This is a better team that we've seen in the past, what, 10 years? It Max? is. They went 82 and 80 for uh, finally a record that's a finished above record. 500. Tanner, I'm going to take an old saying from you. Wow. <laughs> baby steps, T. You knew it had to be baby steps. Well, here, let's just recap, right? We talked about it, we, and we were we, how many times off camera we discussing this? Oh, we get the Pirates. You know, the Orioles are terrible. The Marlins end the season, but it all really fell apart in that three game series against the Braves. It always does, and it's like not surprising, but you would wish to see a little more improvement than just one game over five hundred. Um, there's going to be a lot of players moving around. Andrew McCutcheon potentially played his last game definitely as a Philadelphia Philly. Um, I don't know if Reese Hoskins is going to be on the Phillies any longer, looking to secure that first baseman position, really, because Brad mm-hmm. Miller's just not going to do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, outfield. And for me, personally, I think that the rotation was sort of figuring themselves out yeah. um, late in the season. But still, bullpen, definitely a problem. Still, do you think that's the main problem? God, oh, so many problems. Bullpen's so always been problems, the main. Bullpen's been the issue for umpteen years. And... Let's start. Let's start off with the with the starting uh, rotation first and foremost. They really need a true ace. That's the number. Whoa, one, I think that's the number one ace. Disrespect for Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. Is, Aaron Nola. Let me let me say this. Aaron Nola could potentially not be on the Phillies. Zach Wheeler is nice. Do I think he's an ace necessarily? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. This year he yes. had to be, but just imagine how much better had he could be. be. What do you mean he was just choosing? He had to, to be, be because Aaron year? Aaron Nola didn't live up to his ace status that everybody was talking about when he performed so well last year that he was remember, considered. Remember uh, the four aces? Yes. Yeah. Childhood memory. Yeah. Go figure. Cliffley, Oswald, Roy Holiday. Yep. All I'm Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels. All I'm saying is think about this from my point of view. If you get an ace. And everybody takes a step down in that rotation. That puts less stress on everybody. Aaron Nola doesn't have as much pressure on him. Zach Wheeler doesn't have as much pressure on him. Zach Eflin doesn't even have as much pressure on him. Shoot, and now you have Ranger Suarez coming into the rotation as well. That's a That would be a really good pitching rotation. Hold on, T. Let me just pull Max Scherzer out of my ass. For, oh, here he is. Max Scherzer's yeah, your new ace. Where are we finding one of these guys? Where? We're just going to pull one off the tree? We don't really have any money to go over to Luxury Tax and spend to get one. You're gonna you don't to- have no choice. Cheap-ass freaking manager. Well, that's my point. Like, Are you really going to go Hoskins. out? Yeah, but with what package? You're telling me package some sort of package of Nola and Hoskins to go get an ace pitcher? I mean, that sounds good on paper. Yeah, it sounds good on paper. Now, I agree with you. Now, all the stuff I'm saying sounds good on paper, but is it actually going to happen? No. Here's my thing. It's tough, too, because you look at these guys, and really, besides Aaron Ole, you look at Reese Hoskins as a player profile, and you say, all right, Reese, what have you done? If you look broad he picture. He came back and hit, players, what, 
home runs back to back. He games. slugged, and that's the thing. His slugging percentage was over 500. I believe it was like 541 or something like that, which is what you want to see from your first baseman. The question is, are these guys going to put the work in in the offseason to get better? You have Alec Bohm, who can't field at third base. Oh he can't field really at first base, and his hitting has been very poor. Well, sure. Reese Hoskins, and again, this goes back to baseball's different, Tate. Baseball's a different breed. You know, I you agree. can put the work in in the weight room in the offseason for football players, but baseball guys, it's a 162 game grind, and it's really all year round. I mean, Bryce Harper, even during COVID, he would go in there and just, you would see him in his garage just ripping balls into a net. Like, it's every single day. You have to eat, breathe, and sleep baseball to get better. And do you think Reese Hoskins is going to put the work in any offseason to really buy into being that really true stud first baseman defensively? Because that's, like, I don't have, I get it. He's not going to hit for average, but he does hit for power. A little inconsistent for my liking. But if he can figure out some swing issues and buy into being a better defensive first baseman, I have no problem with bringing him back. But do you think yeah. that, that could happen? I think so because I'll tell you what, him watching him sitting on the bench as his team struggled and tried to get into the playoffs. I think that had some sort of effect on him. He wanted to be out there, and mm-hmm. albeit it was an injury that put him out, um, he definitely wants to be on the Phillies. I I think because of last year how, how poor our bullpen was, and this year it wasn't great either, but you go back to your opening statement and your opening question, Tanner, about what's the biggest problem on this team right now, and as much as I want to say bullpen, and it could definitely be the right answer, for me, I just need some more offense. I need to score some you runs need because more offense? I need to score some runs, T. How many times did we go, especially in that Brave series, we, we couldn't score to the ninth inning and we got guys like Matt Veerling out there and we had to rely on Eddie Rosario dropping the ball off his glove to even score a run. I need I need to score. You got you want to make the postseason, T? You got to score runs and beat teams. You can't just get lucky with pitching. I agree with you, Max, but offense is the last thing on my mind. You need defense. You need pitching. I think more games than where it was the offense's problem, the more games was it that uh, the bullpen came in and just blew leads? Right. Here's my here's my and I get that's true, but here's my counter to that. You have Bryce Harper, who is the MVP of the league this year, the MVP of the league. You're not, Bryce I don't know Harper, how much that means. Tremendous but season. So you're getting a ton of offense from Bryce Harper from one player in your lineup. JT Real Muto came on strong in the end of the season, especially those last few weeks, came up cl- clutch a few times. But overall, I would like to see a little bit more from him. And I know the wear and tear on a catcher is different from other positions. But look around the diamond. You have Alec Bohm at third base who was supposed. He came in uh, opening day against the Atlanta Braves. Opening day, way back when in March, where he was the opening day third baseman, had a big-time home run to center field, and we're like, wow. Alec Bohm has the pop. This guy is 6'6". He looks like he's the real deal, and he completely shits the bed the rest of the year. I need something from him at third base. You look at Didi Gregorius, who hit 210 this year. As you're paying him $16 million. He hits 210 with a bunch of errors. You have Gene Segura, who is probably, I know Bryce Harper might win league MVP, but Gene Segura might be team MVP because of how great of a season he had. Andrew McCutcheon. I don't want to hear anything about the home runs because, Tanner, I don't want you to go in there and look up, oh, he had 20x home runs. I don't care about the home runs. I care about producing in the middle of your lineup. Yeah, we could, he couldn't hit leadoff, right? How many games – and this is this is where we go back because people forget. It's 162 games. So how many times we think back to March, we think back to April. How many games did Andrew McCutcheon hit in that leadoff spot and we just couldn't keep him there anymore? We had so, to pull him out. So basically no more of this? Andrew McClutchin. No, no, no. This, ain't, this ain't 2018, 2019. Too. No, <laughs> uh, but but here's the thing with with Andrew McCutcheon. He, he, his contract was three years, $50 million. He's not going to be getting paid nearly anywhere near that. And he also hit around 220 to 230 this year also. So, and, and that, that I didn't, did I even get to Odubel Herrera yet in center field? I mean, God. Well, the issue is Odubel Herrera is not a leadoff hitter. 
And that's another thing too. Let's see, I just gave you, I just gave you my shortstop, my third baseman, my first baseman defense with Reese Hoskins, my center fielder, and my left fielder. I just gave you all that stuff, and I get your argument for pitching and bullpen. But if your rotation, if Aaron Nola can figure some things out, and when I say figure some things, out, I mean really figure some things out. Like he's got a lot to figure out because he's not the same guy we saw two years ago. I understand that. But with Wheeler, we haven't mentioned Eflin coming back yet healthy. Hopefully you get healthy Eflin. Ranger Suarez comes out of nowhere and bursts onto the scene. And Kyle Gibson's been serviceable. So if you got you if you can get those guys to go deeper into games, and I get it, you're gonna need a bullpen in a hundred and sixty two game season that's, you know, consistent enough to keep you in the race for the division win. Correct. But when you got guys like Matt Veerling, Matt Joyce, you know what I mean? Uh, for Freddie Galvis. I'm not arguing I'm not arguing that, but you need to get better at, at, at some positions. And then also, let's look at the division as Travis a whole. Travis Jankowski. Like, I'm trying to sit here and actually think of the names that actually stood on the Phillies I mean, baseball but field. But, Max, real quick, and I hate to kill the optimism for next year, but let, let's look at this division oh, as a whole. Oh, there's no optimism. Let's look I'm at the division as a whole real quick. So, the Atlanta Braves are probably still going to be the Atlanta Braves next year. The get reason Ronald why Acuna back. They're getting Ronald Acuna back. The Mets them. are getting Jacob DeGrom back. That's going to be a main issue. Yeah. All right? The Miami Marlins seems to be they're coming out of purgatory. Uh. The well, Nationals they, are going to be better because they have a young, up and coming, um, up and coming farm system. Uh, like I'm sorry, but the Philadelphia Phillies are really on a decline. I hate to say that. Well, let me just ask you guys a question, and I'll get to T's point. Who do you think played the most games for the Phillies this season? Hmm. Is it Bryce? No, 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 it wasn't Bryce because he he got hit in the face. Yeah, that's right. I he missed some this time. This player had three more games. Than Bryce Harper. Mm, okay. Give me a second. Just give me a second to think. Uh, it was uh, a player we talked about. Gene Segura? Nope. Gene Segura played 131 games. Well, it wasn't Odubel Herrera. No. <laughs> Andrew McCutcheon. Wow. He's one of the oldest players on this team, and he played the most games. Wow. Andrew McCutcheon. Oh, are you trying to count? Do you think Andrew McCutcheon should be back next year? No, I'm saying is this: if this team is going to be successful, they need to have – and it's weird saying this about the Phillies, but they need to be consistent on both game-wise and who's on the field. I understand injuries happen, but I just don't think that there's – and how many how many games should a player play every MLB season? I'm saying around 148. 140, 148 games. 150, yeah. yeah, something like and that. And when there's guys out and the Phillies constantly have to go to utility guys and stuff like that, things are going to go wrong. And you have, you understand it's 162 games. You don't think a player is going to play right. ever 162 straight games. But for me, we did see a lot more of JT Romuto. Even though it didn't really feel like it, he played a lot more games – um, than I ex- that I actually thought he did. Andrew Knapp only played about 60 games. and That's not even starting either. He could have just right. came in as a pitch hitter. Yeah, exactly. And uh, for me, and we're going back to this, first baseman is a concern next to bullpen still. And, and you know, Reese Hoskins is my favorite player on this team. So you're right. telling me Reese you're, you're, you're saying, I'm not he's saying he needs to – I'm not saying he needs to go. I'm saying he definitely needs to improve and show them that he has improved by spring training. And if that doesn't happen, there needs to be a move made. And I mentioned Aaron Nola as well because, obviously, Zach Wheeler is now the guy in Philadelphia. Yeah. But, T, to your point, the Phillies screwed themselves over with the trades that they made um, deteriorating their, um, farm, their, their farm system. And also – and this is I, I we did a project for class on this story, Max, about the Phillies 
um, with what they did with the minor league too, adding drama to the team. They're not allowed to speak up, wear wristbands. Apparently, yeah. Dombrowski says that's not true, but there's been some sources about that. So they got a lot of things to figure out with the farm system, um, the minor teams. But this is all about who you have on depth. Like e- even with football, right. basketball, right. it's all about depth. And and for future reasons, the Phillies just do not have that to be successful. And here's another thing, Tay. How about the Tampa Bay Rays? World Series last year, they get rid of their star pitcher, Blake Snell, to the San Diego Padres, who didn't even make the playoffs. They went and out and spent a million dollars, made a billion trades, and they still didn't make the playoffs. Well, they pull Snell in the... You Darvish, Blake Snell, time. Joe Musker. They have a whole all-star cast of players, and they didn't make it. But look at the Tampa Bay race. I don't know how they do it or what they do, but they got guys who you don't even know exist on this earth, and they just step up to the plate, and they'll hit a ball 500 feet. I'll give you one even better, and this has been a hot topic discussion on WIP. What about the San Francisco Giants? Oh, man. Yeah, what about them? What, uh, what a season. You. It's weird because they don't really have an impressive roster. That's what I'm they saying. But the, the, the look at the Rays, too. You look, you look up the Rays roster and you look up the Giants roster and you're like, all right, I recognize Brandon Crawford. Maybe I recognize Brandon Bell. But you, there's like, there'll be like, I don't know, 20 guys you probably don't recognize. Same thing with the Rays. I mean, is it scouting? Is that where we go back to with this stuff? Yeah, we can go back to scouting. We can go back to the farm system. But also, we need to look at upper management and how they're managing this team because you get rid of. <laughs> This is this this still irritates me to this day. How the San Francisco Giants have Jose the best Oliver. record, the best freaking record in the MLB. They get Gabe Kapler, they get I rid get of it. Gabe Kapler, and they get Joe Girardi, who supposedly was better, but can't do no better than what Gabe Kapler did. And Gabe Kapler takes probably, arguably, a very weak MLB uh, roster and turns it into the best freaking. The best freaking record yeah. in the MLB, and I, 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 I that's where I kind of want to wrap up with this um, before we close out the show, and that is Joe Girardi, who we haven't mentioned yet. Um, second year with the Phillies, uh, last season obviously COVID shortened year, misses the playoffs with a losing record. This year he goes eighty-two and eighty with a roster that let's let's face it was not great. Where is your assessment of Joe Girardi after two years uh, in, as the Phillies skipper, and you know going forward? I'm not saying that he's going to lose his job or anything like that, but what are what are some expectations? What is he, what's it going through his mind as he gets ready to prepare for the winter? I'm not, go ahead. This is a weird situation because usually you'd be able to say, let's wait until he has a good roster in front of him, but it, I think that he had a, a well enough wa- roster to make the playoffs. There's some blame on him, you're saying. So, yeah, there has yeah. to be blame put on him. And, I mean, I give him next season. I give him next season. I'm not positive, but I'm not negative about him either. So you give him like next you season? Said, yeah, I'll give him until next season because, like Tanner said, this, he had enough, I believe, to at least sneak into the playoffs. I, I'm, I wasn't expecting him to take them to the World Series. Yeah. They at least had enough. But I do feel like there was a, a hand few of games, more than a hand few of games, where he cost them the games. Sometimes with his bullpen decisions, all right, and his rotations. Look, he cost the Phillies some games. So he is responsible for this collapse as well. Do you agree, Tanner? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. There were some games where just you're like, really? Mm-hmm. And just questionable moves. Pitch hitting decisions. Yeah. Why the hell is Matt Joyce up at the plate ever? But here's the part. But here's the part where I got to give him the benefit of the doubt. This bullpen is what it is. This bullpen stinks. And that's as but simple that's, as that. That's kind of also on. I know it's not technically his job, but that that's kind of on him too. How so? 
Well, first of all, you have Dombrowski and everyone. They, they like to complain about who they don't have on the team. And, and every offseason, it's, oh, we're going to make this so much better. And then they get distracted in a way. Um, they go ahead and get utility guys when they should be focusing on the on the pitching staff. Or more specific, um, like, get me a left fielder. Don't get me a guy that can play three positions. Go right. out there and get me a legit left fielder. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and we mentioned the Giants, and it is working out with them. They have Chris Bryant in right field. Darren Ruff is the first baseman. And mm. Like two years ago, I mentioned Darren Ruff. Go That's figure. just insane. Yeah, look at the stat line because he's actually doing pretty yeah. well. Um, Thanks, Gabe. Jose Alvarez is on the Giants, too. So it, the it's, reliever, it's right? The, yeah, yeah. It, it's the Phillies. And it's Joe Girardi, Dombrowski, and it's everything about the Phillies. There's nothing really to blame outside the Phillies. It, it's their fault. I yeah. think when I and that's a good point because you go back to it because you see players on that team, you see Gabe Kapler having success. So it is the Phillies. I just need to figure out if it's what we have now, or are we still trying to clear out what Klintak really had uh, had in his doing, and we're still trying to come out of that process, or is it just whoever we hire with Girardi with with the guys that we have in place now? Is it their fault? You know, who are we still clearing out Clintax mistakes and, and we'll, let's give it another year and we'll see if yeah. we can improve? Or is it we just continue to make the wrong hires? Because Dombrowski really wasn't here two years ago well, when, also, when we started. It's a combination and all that, but also at the end of the day, you can't be cheap. If you've got to go over the luxury tax because in successfully fill this team out, you got to do what you got to do. Because how much longer do you think Bryce Harper is going to continue putting up seasons like this? All right. How long, how long do you think JT Realmuto can still keep it up? Like, how long do you think your big-time players can continue yeah, playing at a high level? Your you're players. wasting the prime of your players. You need to do what you got to do and win this championship. Make it worth giving Bryce Harper that 10-year contract. Make it worth giving, giving JT Real Muto that contract. Make it worth giving away all this money that you've given and do something about it. I think the guys just need to go out there, and baseball is tough. And, and Because every year we sit here, we do this now, and we're like, what, what, what do they have to do? What do they have to do to improve? Um and I know we're going to wrap the show up now, but there's going to be times where we're going to be sitting here in the middle of January, and I'm just going to want to talk some fills. So, yeah. everybody listen to be prepared. Just a quick non-Phillies topic, just adding on to the Ben Simmons drama a little oh, bit. Oh, jeez. Here we um, go. It wouldn't be a complete show without just mentioning Mr. Softy real quick. Um, is there ben a truck Simmons, going by? Ben Simmons is set to lose out since he missed training and he plans on not playing another game for the Sixers, set to miss out on over $20 million. Yeah. That's crazy. That's good for him. And let me shout out. One guy I want to shout he's out got $20 million quick, to give away. T's kind of dumb talking about Ben Simmons until he's actually traded. Uh, yep. How about Andre Drummond? I like Andre Drummond. I told you Andre Drummond was going to be a beast. I want to talk about some of this stuff next week about the Sixers. We're going to dive into hope. Maybe Ben Simmons is traded by that. Who knows? I told you. But Andre Two Drummond is back to back and ones, I believe. For yeah, him. I mean, he looks like. And here's the thing before we wrap up more athletic than Dwight Howard. Just more athletic. I, I mean, told y'all. So I told y'all about Andre Drummond. Definitely going to be uh, a piece that you guys might actually enjoy playing in the Sixers uniform. I think I will as well. Hell, I know I'm going to enjoy it. Hey, y'all miss any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Available on all major downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the entire Shabazz. Um, once again, um, practicing against Joel Embiid, too. I mean, we're literally two seven-footers going at it in practice. You're going up against the best center in the league. That's going to make you better. It's going to make you better. I agree. Oh, um, Jim Swartz, I'm sorry. I'll take you back. No, I'm, you I, won't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a lie. I'm sorry. What's going on, everybody? Shut your yap. It pisses me off.
he pisses me off. What? Oh, you piece of Swiss cheese!